Welcome to another episode of Windy City Cycle Squad Sports Check. Today's guest, my man, he's a teacher, scholar, and also a sports fanatic. My brother, Keith Brookshire. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jerome. Keith, what is it about your childhood that formed the man you are today? Well, my childhood, growing up in Woodline, man, and uh, coming from the Woodline area, it was loaded with just athletes. So uh, knowing that and the guys that came before me, we just grew up playing, man. Everything we did was revolved around play. You know, from sun up to sundown, man. You eat breakfast, you come outside. Your whole day consisted of play. So during that, you know, we started to formulate and organize without the uh, without the advent of adult males in our neighborhood. You know, we started to formalize and, 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 and organize ourselves into teams. You know, and of course that led into block to block play, and uh, which kind of forged me into. I was always the guy to come out the house first with a ball of some sort, knock on doors. You know, get people out the house, oh, yeah. wake people up. Come on, man. You know, so I ended up being the defunct uh, coach of the block, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, with guys my own age and some guys older than me sometimes. You know, and where I would like form the organization or organize us into certain teams. So whether it was football, basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it was. I was always that guy to kind of form things. So which kind of grew me into being what I was, what I am today, a coach. A, a great man, a great man from a great area, I must say, Keith. In true. today's society, how do you keep your students engaged? Well, I try to stay involved with them. So I like to say, you know, working, I've been working in the public school system now for 27 years. Uh, and being around the kids daily, being around the kids daily, man, has just kept me young. Mm-hmm. So I stay in tune. I kind of listen to some of their music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm able to uh, develop a good rapport with my students all the time. Mm-hmm. So whatever they're going through, you know, I can kind of sit them down, talk to them, and I develop trust with them. So by developing a little form of trust, they know that I care about them, they know I love them. From the neighborhood, you know, I try to let them know that these teachers, you know, we just didn't fall out of no teacher cloud, man. I ain't fall out of no coach cloud. I grew up in the Chicago public schools, just like you going through. Uh, I can tell you about it. I can be about it. I, you know, and I, I didn't uh, experience most of the problems that you guys didn't experience. So I develop a form of trust with them, and I reach them. That's important. Keith, being a teacher, uh, what level? Uh, high school level right now, but I've taught elementary school, I've coached at the elementary school level, and right now I'm working in high school, at Corliss High School, so uh, it's an experience. You know, Chicago Public Schools, you hear the horror stories, but, you know, I love it. I I commend you, Brother Keith, for for doing that, for, for taking your time out to be involved with the kids. I salute you on that, my man. Being being an outstanding coach as you are, how do you get your players to buy into your system? Um, 
really by no choice. You know, it's, it's, I don't, it's not a democracy, uh, but I'm fair. So, you know, it's about being organized, man. Just, just show them some type of organization and consistency. And the kids, it's all about trust, man. Kids, if kids trust you, they'll go through the wall for you. So I don't have to con them into being, you know, buying in. Uh, they see my consistency every day. They start to develop trust in you by knowing the things that you tell them and tell them to do with their bodies and tell them to do on certain plays or tell them to do with what you, about schoolwork, all of that. They see it eventually as I, he was telling me right. So they buy in, you know, even the new kids that come to a team or come to the sport. Uh, it don't take long for them to buy in because I try to keep keep everything truthful with them. I don't give them no fake stories. I don't tell them no feed them no fantasy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you put in the hard work, do what you're supposed to do. In this sport called football right here, that I coach. Mm -hmm. if you do what the things you're supposed to do. If you follow the blueprint that I've laid out for you. I could almost guarantee that you will earn some type of scholarship when you leave it. Because if you're doing what you're supposed to do, and I'm demanding you to do, you're gonna get an academic scholarship first. So if you couple that with your athletic talent and some tape, some film, and football, this is a little different from basketball, a little different from baseball, because basketball, you gotta have a skill set. You gotta be, you gotta be able to pat that rock, or you gotta be able to put it in the hole. But you got to grab a, a monstrous amount of rebounds. Baseball, you got to be able to hit the ball, pick up the ball. You got to have a skill set. Football, you don't necessarily have to have a skill set. You just need a little bit of talent and a lot of heart. And you can put one to two plays on a highlight tape and get scholarships for that. Okay. So if you follow the blueprint and stay in class and keep your grades up to where you qualify for an athletic scholarship, Nine times out of 10, because I, I try to demand my kids to keep a 3.0. So you know, I, I uh, got testing, or what you want to say, SAT prep testing, you know, built into my program. So these kids get an opportunity to, to enhance their testing skills. They get a, a chance to enhance. I got tutoring every day so they can enhance their academics. So they should be on point to get an academic scholarship if all else fails. Mm. So, uh, I try to motivate them that way. Keith, can I ask a question? Um, well, first of all, it's admirable to know that you have these athletes, especially from the, the neighborhoods that we all grew up in as well, that are out here trying to either make a name for themselves or just trying to get involved in something outside of being in the streets. Um, as far as you uh, pushing the academics, you're probably the second coach that coaches in these areas that has said that you guys really push academics. Uh, how many of the students that you've had that have transitioned into college and do you still keep in touch with them after that? Yes, uh, this is my first year at Corliss. So okay. I haven't experienced, you know, getting kids out in the college at this point yet. I got a couple of seniors now that's on point though, that, 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 that's done their job, you know, within the year I've been there, uh, that's gonna qualify for academic help or uh, okay. uh, secondary scholarships or monies, I should say. That's awesome. But my former school, I was at Harlem for five years and I was just saying this to myself today, I was, I was looking on Facebook, I was scrolling and one of my former athletes graduated and then he had his pictures on, you know, that I guess he graduated mid-year. Mid, mid 
So right. I was just saying to myself, I was like, man, that's like the fifth or sixth guy from Harlan that I coach that got their degree. Absolutely, so, that's great. You know, these guys, and I keep in touch with them. Um, I had a guy, my former quarterback, he's playing, he's played professionally in Germany, Egypt, you know, he's, he's bouncing okay. the globe playing in these professional leagues, which is like, uh, I would compare it to uh, uh, overseas basketball, I would okay. say, but not on that level because football is not a global sport. American football is not a global sport like basketball. But at any rate, he called me the other day. Now he's, it's been five, six years removed. He called me the other day in need of some gas money, you know? And uh, he said he had a job interview out in Indiana and he's wondering, man, if I could put some, give him some gas money so he can make it to the job interview. So I met him, I said, man, come on, of course, you know? So I met him, he told him to meet me at the gas station. Met him at the gas station on the 103rd, man. Filled his tank up for him. You know, I put him on his way, man. And, you know, he hugged me immediately when he seen me. He was like, coach, I miss you, man. You know, so that's what it's all about, man. You know, being able to touch these guys and keep in touch with them like you asked. You know, yeah, I keep in touch with these guys all the time. Yeah, because that's what's lacking, I think, because me being in the uh, higher education industry, too, we get a lot of students that come from the, the public school system and things like that. And that's what they lack, support. They don't have the support systems at home. So when they jail with you, you know, and you give them that extra support, that extra care that they need, these are the kind of outcomes you get. You know, we don't want to, you know, once you finish, I'm done with you. It's just kind of keeping that that added connection with this with with them even into adulthood. And just so happen he look up and get that job, it's gonna be, you know, gratitude towards you because I wouldn't have got there if coach hadn't gave me, you know. See, oh, okay. He put his uh, his job ID on, on on Facebook the oh, very wow. next day. I was like, man, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Job, you know? That's so, awesome. You know, and along with that, you know, I just don't keep in touch with the the athletes, the positive. Oh, okay. Well, not even just athletes. Okay. You know, like I got former female students that still keep in touch or ask for advice. Okay. Uh, but uh, I got some athletes. All of them didn't go to college, and all of them were successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a former athlete right now that's locked up. Okay. You know, keep in touch with him too. Because, you know, he's going to need a restart or a reboot when he get. So, you know, try to keep his head on right too, man. And, you know, it's, it's just sad and unfortunate. Like, those are the guys that usually come back and tell you, man, coach, I see what you're saying now. Mm-hmm. It's too late. Mm-hmm. But it's never too late. You know, you can always reboot. You know, just now that you see it and you mature to grow up and listen to what the words we were saying, you know, back then, if you can apply them now, it's never too late. That's right. young. That Keith. aha moment. Keith, let, let me share this with you real quick. Let me say, I know Corliss got a great man in charge in you. I know you as a friend and a brother, and you always been a fair and a stand-up brother. So salute to that, man. Corliss got a great man in my man, Coach Brookshire. Appreciate that. What advice can you give young people in today's society? Well, the way things going, man, I mean, educate yourself. The way things going, man, in the educational system is sad. I see things going, everything's geared, as far as teaching these kids, now is geared towards standardized testing. No longer do we have uh, vocational opportunities in schools. You know, every school had a woodshop. 
at one point. When we were in high school, you know, and I went to Dunbar where we had, man, 50 shops, 50 vocational shops that could teach you a trade. You know, I got a buddy that's working right now for the city that's been working since he graduated from uh, high school. So I try to keep these kids understanding that life is bigger than a standardized test. Mm. Try to educate yourself through all facets, man. So don't just get stuck on getting a high score. Understand the mathematics, understand the science that, that they're teaching you because those are the only true disciplines in education. You can't lie with numbers and things gotta uh, make scientific sense. So if, if that don't fall in place, then you need to educate yourself to find out the true meaning of what you're learning. You know, the histories and the social studies and all of the English is, is, is you know, that's not our original language. You know, I, it's so much that go into this mm -hmm. education thing, man, besides coaching and just being a teacher. Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, try to instill in these kids, man, to have a knowledge of self and, and empower yourself through mm -hmm. reading and research not be not the lazy research on YouTube or the lazy research watching a movie. No, get down, get grimy, get in a book, get in and life learn. Records. Right, learn about yourself, learn about your story, and empower yourself through knowledge. And that's the that's the message I get, man. And I try to speak that through them all the time. My athletes always ask me, like, Coach, man, how you know all this? How you so smart or whatever? You know, and I don't consider myself smart. I just tried to empower myself through information. And you, you know, I bet you did the research though. I know exactly. you did research exactly. whatever you was looking into. Exactly, it make you read, man. And you know, the sad thing is kind of off topic, but the sad thing about it now is, you know, the, the music. Mm -hmm. Music made us go research. Yeah. You know, when I heard public getting talk about Stephen Biko, I wanted to know who Stephen Biko was. Right. You know, you hear about Fred Hampton. I wanted to know who Fred, Fred Hampton is. was. So they educate, I mean, their music is not, their music is not even gearing them towards learning anything. Everything is, they shutting the mental off now. TV is making you shut the mental off. The computer's making you shut the mental off. In a day and age where they got more, they got uh, a chance to get to more information than we ever had. They don't use it right, you know? Keith, you put in a lot of hard work to get to where you are. How do you motivate motivate yourself on a daily basis? Man, just get up. I think about what's to do. Mm -hmm. uh, most times, it's, uh, it's either get around my class or get around. You know, I don't know nobody to wake up in the morning and say, "Man, I'm, I'm ready to go to work." Mm -hmm. You know, most times we get up and like, "Man, do I have to go in today?" Yeah. But the kids, <laughs> the kids keep me motivated. Okay. Something I got to do today. You know, I never miss a day during the season. Mm -hmm. You know, now every once in a while, the season I have to take some mental breaks. Uh, maybe I'll take a couple of days here or there. But for the most part, as a teacher, man, we get 10 days off a year, 13 days off that we can take sick days or personal business days. I may use six of them. Okay. You know, and two or three of those may be on the emergency purposes or an appointment that I may have. Okay. So the kids motivate me every morning. Either I got something I know I, I, I want to get to in class to teach them or it's something that I want to get to at practice that I need to teach them. And if they don't see me during the day, then they may think it's not practice, you know? So during the season and once we start our off season, I have to go. Okay. I'm almost motivated to go just for the kids. Being a family man, what does family mean to you? Man, family is everything because, uh, I mean, you do this for your seed, of course, 
and uh, your immediate family because you got to provide. But just being a family man itself is so important to me because I grew up in a family mm -hmm. where it was family structure. Great family. Uh, you had, you know, I didn't have a father at home per se, but I had grandfather, I had grandma who stayed a half a block away from me mm -hmm. where I knew I had that structure, you know, and that upbringing. And, and the true discipline, mm -hmm. but we ate around the dinner table, mm -hmm. and we had conversations around the dinner table. You had to be in at a certain time too. Mm -hmm. It was meals prepared every day. Mm -hmm. So I try to instill, I try to get that going with my wife and my family. At this point, you know, we try to put on, you know, it's a meal on the table every day. You know, we try to stay out of these fast food restaurants. So family is almost everything, man. You just gotta. You know, and then I try to tell the kids, man, that, you know, you only get one mom, you only get one dad. So quit being disrespectful. You got to be respectful to your family first. You know, faith, family, and football. Okay. That's where we at with it, you know. What What are some of the challenges you faced in life, kid? Uh, first of all, growing up, well, I, I wouldn't trade my childhood for nothing in the world. Mm -hmm. But looking back on it, and I didn't realize this until I got to be a... a college student uh, in a sociology class, understanding what a last key kid was. I heard that term, like, damn, I was a last, last key kid. You know, my mom was at work from six to six in the morning. Mm -hmm. When I got out of school, I had to come let myself in, mm -hmm. you know, the early age. Make sure I got a jelly sandwich in me. Make sure I did my mm -hmm. own work. Mm -hmm. Make sure you take off some school clothes. So, uh, man, the upbringing was just, just everything. And it, it taught you how to be independent, mm -hmm. but it also taught you discipline because you just didn't want to disappoint uh, your parents. Okay. There was no disappointment. You, you just didn't want to do that. We, now we got into some trouble, we got into some devilment, you know, we did some things we weren't supposed to do, but it was still out of respect. And within that upbringing too, you know, the village was your, 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 your safe haven. Your village, everybody in the village had to say so in your upbringing, whether it was the, 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 the wino, or the, the, the local drinkers, I don't want to call them wine hoes, mm -hmm. but you know. It is what it is. Hey, it was our neighborhood wine guys that motivated me to go back to school, to even be where I'm at right now. Okay. You know, my, uh, me and my buddy, I had, uh, I don't know if anybody know this, if you know this, but I was put out of Dunbar, mm -hmm. kicked out of Dunbar mm -hmm. in my senior year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I could have very easily shut it down right there. But you didn't. Can I cut you off for a minute? Go ahead. Not, not to cut you. I want to cut you off for a second. But I just want to take this time out. Since you on that, if you on that, I want to salute you on getting your masters, my man. Right. Congratulations. Man, thanks. Now, I know you can come on with the story. You telling me about yeah, the windows so, and all that. But I salute <laughs> you on that. Thanks, man. But oh, for sure. Yo, you know, it was a point in time, at that period of a year, a year and a half after we, I was put out of Dunbar, you know, I had, you know, in the neighborhood, there's always some guys just hanging around all day. So me and my buddy, we always went out every day, you know, whatever it was, whether we was eating breakfast in the morning at one of our houses, watching movies all day, and we'd come out in the afternoon and go to the liquor store, get a beer, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of hanging out doing nothing because I was allowed to be free mm -hmm. for, for a minute mm -hmm. in mom's house, you know. So we walk into the store one day in the afternoon about 3, 3.30. We see the local uh, wino guys, the alcoholic guys mm -hmm. going across the street with book bags. Mm -hmm. Like, man, where y'all going? <laughs> it was like, 
We're going over to the Y. They got free GED classes at the YWCA <laughs> on my C-Second and Drexel, right? So I'm like, damn. So my boy, I said, man, you know, if they going to school, man, we need to go over and check out these classes. Wow. Man, we get our GED. That's awesome. So next day, we went over to take the GED class, wow. right? They were free. So my man said, yeah, come on in, sit down, Mr. Hamilton. I'll never forget him. Mm. He was like, man, sit on down. You know, he was teaching some math at the board. So me and my buddy, we was figuring out the math problem. They was basic algebra problem. Mm -hmm. But the older guys, and they was old heads. They was they was having a problem with the math, right? Mm -hmm. So after a few days, man, we was doing these problems and talking about history or talking about different things and reading out loud and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Mr. Uh, Hamilton pulled us to the side. He said, man, look at you guys are way above these guys, man. They need this class. Y'all fresh out of school. Y'all don't need this class, man. Y'all smart enough to go past this GED test. Mm -hmm. Here you go. The GED test is in, in November. Sign y'all up for it. You go downtown, you take the test. And I tell you what. He said, man, y'all athletes, right? I said, yeah. He said, what y'all play? He said, I played everything, but, you know, football, baseball, whatever. He said, man, I got a school for you. It's in Nebraska. It's a small school. You know, you may like it, but I think it'll be perfect for you because it's out in the woods. Ain't no trouble you can get into, you know, and it's, you know, it's it's a nice little school, though. You will like it, I think. I said, okay. Uh, he said, i tell you what, go take the test. Let me know. And uh, when you get the results, and come on back. So we took the test in November. I think you get the results back then, man, about two, three weeks. They mailed me the results. First place we went, man, I ran up there to Mr. Uh, my boy didn't pass the test. But uh -huh. Anyway, he, I got my results back, I passed. So I go up there, talk to Mr. Hammond, I said, man, Mr. Hammond, I passed the test. He said, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call the coach. I'm gonna call the football coach down here uh, at Peru State, and uh, he'll be in touch with you. I said, for real? He said, yeah. Man, about two weeks later, I got the call. It's like, man, look here, uh, I'm gonna send you the brochure. I'm gonna send you everything you need to fill out and uh, get that right back in to me, and you could be down here in January. Wow. Filled out the paperwork, picked my housing plan out, mm. went down to see Cyrus Parnell, got a little financial aid, called my man back, sent my stuff in. He's like, all right, so we'll meet you at the bus station in Nebraska, such and such and such, you know. Uh, so the rest is history. Next thing I know, I was on the trailway, and I wasn't coming back to 63rd, man, so I, I had know. my degree. Now, I don't, now my wife's daughter went to school in Nebraska. Is that, not in Arkansas, I'm sorry, Arkansas. Okay. Uh -oh. That's another story. I was I was thinking about Nebraska and Keith said, Keith, well, we want to thank you. I appreciate you taking the time out your day for this interview. On behalf of Windy City Cycle Squad, we would like to thank you again, brother. Do you have any encouraging words to share with our listeners and viewers? Well, Man, wake up every day, recognize your greatness, put your feet on the floor, man, and go achieve that. Go achieve that. Be great. My man. Thank you. We want to thank our sponsors and thank my guest for today, Mr. Keith Brookshire, coach, scholar, my man. He is a, he's a great man. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it, Jerome. <laughs>